In the words of fish, set the gear shift to the high gear of your soul. And this is the Fat Man Chronicles. Welcome to episode 88 of the Fat Man Chronicles. I'm Pete, and sorry, no Gretchen tonight. I did an interview, so we're gonna we're gonna roll with just me, just me solo doing an intro. But remember, we are a regular couple on the journey with you to health, fitness, weight loss, and a better life. All right, so we're not gonna have any views from the couch. We're not gonna do any recap of our our stuff. We'll do that in the next episode and hopefully a few days. We had a sick kid, so we weren't able to record when I want when we wanted to. So with that, I had done an interview with Mike Matante. He is a friend of mine um, and a couple of things. You'll hear him talk about his journey in life and, and wine. And we are hosting a brand new podcast that launches December 4th called That Wine Pod. We're super excited about that. We have worked together. And he was one of the uh, people who let me coach him as I got to become a certified running coach. I think there's a little bit of an infomercial in this interview, so please forgive that. That's that wasn't on purpose. That just kind of was uh, kind of happened. Mike just kind of being honest with uh, his take on things. So, with no further ado, let's kick it over to the interview. All right, now I'm coming over to an interview with my buddy Mike. Mike and I have known each other for quite a few years. Um, We were in the wine industry together, uh, worked together, and then he let me um, not only hang out with him, but also become the guinea pig. He let himself become the guinea pig for as I got the certification going for run coaching. So uh, we can kind of blame Mike for, for some of that. But anyway... Mr. Matante, welcome to the Fat Man Chronicles. All right. Thank you very much, Pete. Uh, Thanks for having me. And I've been very excited to finally get a guest appearance uh, on the show. Um, it's, uh, it's been a, a dream of mine and that's the only reason I actually took up running. So, um, <laughs> you know, no, just kidding, just kidding. But, um, it's, uh, it's, it's been, uh, really cool to, um, kind of get into an upper tier of running, um, that has involved a little bit more structure and has offered more enjoyment than just my previous running training, which was dragging myself to the gym (laughs) and running X amount of miles, usually two, um, at the most, um, and not really knowing what I'm doing, but just feeling like, Oh, I'm running on a treadmill. So this is a good thing. But, um, you know, some of the training that we've done has really opened my eyes to uh, this whole new world. And it's been exciting to, uh, start, start the venture there. I, I thought you were going to sing a whole new world for us for a second there. 
That you know, would, uh, on a on a tangent, we just watched Aladdin for the first time oh. with our son, um, and uh, yeah, it was very touching. Um, so, which one? The old, like the classic, the or the classic new? 1992 Aladdin? Not I remember the, seeing it in the movie theater in high school, actually, and just loving all of the songs. And I haven't seen it in a while, so it was actually really cool to rewatch that. And Robin Williams as right. the genie, right. amazing, made the movie. It was either him or Will Smith, if you went new, right? I did Is not it? see the new one. But I haven't either. <laughs> but, you know, I like I like Will Smith. But, yes, now with running, I am in a, a whole new world. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let's back up a little bit. Why don't you give sure. a little bit of background? Like, where did you grow up? And, you know, what was life like for a young Mike? Yeah, young Mike grew up in South Florida in uh, a suburb of Fort Lauderdale called Margate. And, um, I grew up there, uh, through about third grade, um, from there through my dad getting a job, uh, we moved to Wyoming, uh, Gillette, Wyoming. And I was out there for about a year and a half, um, fond memories, first time seeing snow as a Florid, you know, Floridian and, doing stuff like sledding and ice skating, uh, learning some of those things. I, you know, I remember, you know, it's Wyoming, so it's very vast and open and the town was still being developed. So there was actually lots of construction going on, like for new developments and things like that. And it offered, um, really fun opportunities for a kid on a bike to go, you know, kind of dirt dirt bike riding on natural like hills that were being made not not like a dirt an official biking track but just right. going to a construction site and riding up and down hills and it, it was really cool out there um but anyway from there um our family then moved to uh, cape cod massachusetts um and i lived there um through most of middle school um that was a really great experience also i very fond memories of Cape Cod and doing Boy Scouts and doing things like sailing and camping and stuff like that. Whale watching? Um, did some whale watching. Oh, yeah. Nice. I think, I think there was like a field trip. We went out on a boat one day. Um, but, uh, you know, what's really cool that maybe some people don't know about Cape Cod is Cape Cod Bay. The tide goes in and out daily. And when it goes out, it goes out for miles. So you can actually stroll out on the ocean floor and see all sorts of cool things in marine life and you're basically walking on the ocean floor and then the tide comes back in and um you know you shouldn't be out there when that happens but um but yeah safety first that's right um be prepared that's what i learned in the boy scouts (laughs) um so uh we ended up moving back down to south florida um when i was in eighth grade Um, and we moved to Coral Springs, Florida, which is a neighboring town to Margate where I grew up. So it was kind of like coming around full circle and, uh, finished off middle school, uh, went into high school. Um, I'm trying to think there, maybe around this time, maybe it was in middle school on the Cape. I I did get into cross country running a little bit, but, um, you know, and I did some track and field as a kid. Um, I wasn't really a, a, a big athlete per se. I just did the normal kid stuff. I played a little little league baseball, um, but track and field, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, tall, long legged type person. So I, you know, had kind of a natural ability to run. And, um, you know, I remember taking on the high jump in track and field. That was my event. Um, and then doing some, you know, 
I, I don't even remember the 500 meter. I, I have no idea what, what races <laughs> I did, but I do remember doing some races, some, uh, some relay races with the baton. Those were kind of cool. I remember those. Um, so I, I was, you know, kind of in, into running and, um, you know, into sports, uh, in high school. Um, I liked going to the park to play basketball. I got into basketball a lot in high school, but never in a league or through the school or anything like that would just go to the park and do pickup games. But I really, I really loved that. So I was always very active, um, and got a little bit into lifting weights in high school. Um, and, you know, beyond that, my, my main focus was band. Actually, I was, I was in marching band and symphonic band and jazz band. And I'm your, really your typical band nerd. Um, when it comes down to it, not, was not a jock at all. Um, so band was the thing, but as it relates to running, um, not, not too much formal training, um, in my youth or a whole lot of experience, and uh, let's see, you know, graduated high school, um, went to the University of Florida in Gainesville. Um, I, you know, tried to remain active and remember going to the gym a lot in college. And what was kind of cool, uh, the Gators, you know, were pretty big in the 90s when I went. Um, and in, in terms of football, um, they, they won uh, one national title while I was there and they competed for another national title my freshman year. And of course I was in the marching band there. So it was a great experience, but what you were able to do as a student is you can just go to the stadium, walk on in and walk around or run around. So I actually started running stairs up and down the stadium, Ben Hill Griffin stadium. Um, and I remember kind of being in some of the best shape of my life, um, in my first couple years at, at the university of Florida. Um, but as I got a little bit more into music, um, and my classes, um, you know, that, and, you know, turning 21 and maybe getting into <laughs> beer and, you know, other things like that, uh, you know, the, um, you know, the running and the weightlifting all kind of went to the side and, um, pretty much fast forward to today, you know, I, I never really, you know, got into any type of formal training through my twenties and thirties, um, you know, when it comes to exercise or, um, physical health and things like that. Um, but I did work, uh, in a restaurant. Um, so after I graduated university of Florida, I ended up moving to Champaign-Urbana, um, which is kind of how I found my way to Illinois and to Chicago ultimately. But uh, Champaign-Urbana had a, a really great music scene happening um, within the town and within the university, uh, especially in jazz. And I, I was really into playing jazz and playing music. And I thought maybe I'd want to make a go at trying to do that or teach or be in the music profession. Um, you know, this was I was probably like 22, 23 years old here still figuring out life, what I wanted to do. And music was a, was a huge part of it at this time in my life. So I, I moved up there. Um, and I got a job waiting tables at a local restaurant there called Timponi's. Um, still there, still open. Yeah. You sent us there while I was down there running the half That's right. marathon. That's right. That's that was right. Delicious. Great. Uh, it was a, it's a, it's a great restaurant and, uh, I just got a job there waiting tables to pay my rent. I didn't really know what I was getting into, but, um, it, it ultimately got me way into food and wine and, uh, changed my career path from music into, um, 
the the food and wine industry, the restaurant industry ultimately, and ended up uh, managing Timponi's for about three and a half, four years and wanted to make a go at it in the big city. So found a, found a gig up in Chicago, a uh, quick stint at Smith and Walensky Steakhouse actually. Um, but it was a little bit too big for what I wanted to focus on. So I ended up going to a, a smaller restaurant for my next job. And that was a pretty fun gig for a little while. Uh, but the, it was small family owned place and they decided one day that fine dining wasn't cutting it for them. And they decided to close it down, gut it and turn it into a sports bar. So that was kind of the end of, um, you know, their, their need for a sommelier and (laughs) fine wine and fine food, you know, type manager. Um, at that point were you, cause you're, you're a certified SOM. So were you studying at that point um, to be certified or when did that come in? Sure. Um, so, you know, I found the Court of Master Sommeliers while working at Timponi's. There were other people in town, um, the clique that we had there that were were into wine and, and food. Um, through them, I, I found the court and I, I took the, the very first level in 2003. It was called the intro and still is called the intro. And so I took that in 2003. Um, about a year later in 2004, I was interested in pursuing the next level, which was advanced. And they did not have the certified sommelier um, you know, accreditation at that time. So you had a couple options. You can feel like you're ready to go for the advanced sign up and go and take the exam or you can spend half of about half of that cost and go and audit the exam and it was a cool way to basically go and sit in listen to the lectures learn about what level of preparedness you probably should be at in order to take the exam Um, because what they do is about three days of lectures and then after those three days it's about three days of actually taking the wine exam itself. And so what you were able to do is go in and sit in on the lectures. And then when they began the exams on day four, if you were auditing, you were done, you just got to go home. And it was a great way to uh, get a feel for where you would need to be to take that exam. So um, I did that. And I said, uh, I am never going to be an advanced sommelier, let alone (laughs) a master sommelier or or any of that. Cause Holy cow, it was um, very, overwhelming, um, somewhat intimidating, um, for someone that was kind of two years into the profession. Um, but also inspiring seeing people that were at that level. And like, it just seemed like, you know, being at the, the base of Mount Everest and the pinnacle is, you know, way, way up there and hard to get to. And, you know, is it possible? And, you know, things like that. So it was very daunting, but so when I, when I moved up to Chicago, Um, I was still just gaining experience. I had put like going for that advanced sommelier diploma on the back burner, um, gaining more wine knowledge, gaining more experience through that time. And it was actually during my time in retail at what was called the wine discount center when I wanted to take on trying to pass those, those sommelier exams, um, 
it offered working in the retail environment compared to the restaurants. It's definitely more humane hours. Um, it wasn't getting out of work at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. and working, you know, 14, 15 hour days as a restaurant manager. Um, so, you know, ironically, getting out of restaurants allowed me to pursue a restaurant driven certification <laughs> right. easier than working in restaurants, um, having more nights off and a little bit more freedom. Um, and in retail, you're also exposed to really a lot, depending on where you work, but a lot more wine, you're able to taste a lot more wine and just be constantly exposed to a lot more wines than necessarily being in a restaurant with a small list. Maybe it's focused on Italy or focused on California. Um, it doesn't offer like as broad of a, of a spectrum as, as retail does. So, um, and uh, it was around this time working in retail that the court came out with the certified exam, um, which was kind of a precursor now to advanced. It was this in-between um, you know, certification that they, they came out with that um, I think ultimately weeds out those that want to pursue the higher level examinations versus those that are just interested in wine or maybe their large company they work for forces like it's mandatory to go take the intro and um, you know maybe go take the certified to learn a little bit more about blind tasting and service and theory about wine and things like that but it's not quite to the level of the advanced they don't do any lectures you just go and you take this test so I did that anyway in 2008 is when I ended up taking the certified exam passed that and one year later in 2009 I, I sat for the advanced sommelier exam and I passed that on my first try which was pretty mind-blowing at the time I did not expect that but I put a lot of hard work into it and it and it paid off nice so is it during that time you've got a lot going on right you're mm -hmm. you've kind of got a a full-time gig studying for that kind of an exam is almost like another full-time job in, in many ways, right? Um, you're in the wine industry, which I know all too well, is also food-driven, yeah. right? Even if you're not working in a restaurant, there's all kinds of dinners and opportunities to go partake in some darn good food sure, um, and Always. wine. Uh, so at this point, like in your life, how do you feel like your health is overall? Overall, I feel like I am in pretty decent health. Um, I say decent because I know it could probably be better. I really neglected exercise and diet through most of my mid upper 20s and, you know, a good chunk of my 30s. I mean, I was kind of an active person, but I wasn't doing anything regularly. Um, you know, we, we had a little dinky gym in our apartment complex that me and now my wife lived in at the time. And I would try to go to that once or twice a week and lift a couple weights. And, but you know, I never wanted to take on running, um, or any type of cardio type activity. Um, so I feel like I could have put more effort and work into my overall, you know, health, daily health regimen during that time, but it just wasn't something that I, that I was driven to do maybe because I've been just, you know, lucky to not have any major issues that force me into, into doing that. Um, I, I do love, I mean, you know, shameless plug here. I'm Vino Mike on all of my social media, not 
vegan Mike or <laughs> health nut Mike or vegetarian Mike. Right. Um, so, you know, wine and food has, has been a passion of mine for, um, you know, basically, you know, ab- about almost 20 years now. Um, and, uh, I've enjoyed it all and I've never held back. Um, so, you know, but as you get a little bit older and you go see your doctor and they're like, Oh, watch your cholesterol and you know, oh, your weight's creeping up. I do remember my doctor wanting me once to lose about 10 pounds. Um, and he recommended, uh, reading and doing the South beach diet. And that was the first time I ever approached doing any kind of a diet in my life. Um, but, I did feel like he was making the right call. Um, I wasn't in any kind of shock or strong disagreement with, with having to do that. I think that I just kind of went long enough living on sort of junk food and, um, you know, some bad food choices, um, you know, maybe in my mid thirties where it starts catching up with you a little bit, perhaps your metabolism maybe starts changing a little bit more. And, um, so anyway, I came across the South beach diet, bought the book, um, learned how it, to me anyway, I felt like it really wasn't a diet. It was more of a lifestyle, um, and a healthy way of life. And I I believe it was a cardiovascular surgeon in South beach, Florida, uh, Miami area that wrote the book and he would implement this, um, basically sugar free uh, diet to some of his patients that had heart conditions, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, things like that. And through this diet, it had a tremendous positive impact on some of the, those patients health issues. And, um, so I tried it and it worked for me. Um, I did lose the weight. Um, you know, it was again, a, you know, it was the first time I ever did any kind of a diet. So it wasn't easy, especially the first three or four days. It was really challenging. Um, you have to, on that diet, eliminate all sugar for one week. So no grains at all. I mean, you're just eating vegetables and meat, um, and you know, salads and, and things like that. Lean meat though, right? He was in, he was in more lean meat, not the new kind of any kind of fat is okay meat. Yeah, no, it, it definitely was, uh, you know, lots of grilled chicken, um, you know, pork, I think we did some pork tenderloin dishes. Yeah. So lean, lean meat overall. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No doubt. We, uh, I say we, cause I actually dragged my, my wife along on this, on this journey. Why not? Um, You know, it, we're living together obviously. And, uh, it's, uh, I find it nearly impossible to, for one person to do a diet and not the other. Um, so we both decided to, to jump on it. And of course we did it in January where, you know, new year's resolutions and gym memberships are, you know, on, on sale and that whole time of the year to like, I'm going to get healthy this year. And, um, it's after the holidays. Uh, you, you probably don't want to ever try a diet during the holidays. Um, that's that, you know, that's, that's almost insurmountable. At least for me, there's too many, um, great treats looming all around at all times. And, uh, you know, lots of family get togethers and things like that. So anyway, we, we did it in January. Um, it was, it's a two week long, um, I said one week, but I I believe it's two weeks of this very strict, no sugar at all, no grains, uh, 
uh, no alcohol, nothing, absolutely nothing. And it, it was also a slow time working in the wine retail business. As you know, January, you get through the holidays, things slow down a little bit. So I was really strict about not even tasting wines um, while I was at work. And professionally, when you taste wines, you can put it in your mouth and taste it and swish it around, and then you're supposed to spit it out. Um, and that's how you're able to taste, you know, maybe 50 wines in one sitting without getting completely trashed, obviously, <laughs> right? And But I wanted to do this diet as it was supposed to be done. So I even eliminated that. Um, and so we would have, I remember having like La Croix water and champagne flutes and, you know, things like that just to, you know, have a little bit of fun with it and try to get through it. And, you know, diet Lipton iced tea, I remember was a staple. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was a, it was a cool diet and I, I felt like it worked for me. And I, I think about it to this day also. Um, I try to partially live by some of those rules, um, partially meaning not every meal and not every day. Um, but I learned a lot about food and diet through doing that, that has stuck with me over, you know, these last maybe 10 years since I've done it. You, you've stayed relatively trim though, that through there, I mean, you're not like a bigger dude. So I was always a skinny, I was a skinny kid. Um, I'm six foot one, um, almost. And, you know, for like in high school, I was probably 135, 140, like just really thin. Um, probably what drove me to maybe start lifting weights when I was about 15 or 16 is, you know, I just wanted to try to bulk up a little bit more. Maybe it was, uh, you know, kind of a self-conscious thing, um, about being so skinny. Um, and you know, it's a time where you're looking to date and you're, you know, you, you want to like try to look your best and, you know, things like that. So, um, so, but I've always been a, a pretty thin person and it was probably around, my mid thirties where maybe 33, 34 years old where, you know, I got up to, um, I think I was like 190, what like upper one eighties or so. And, um, but it wasn't like muscle mass and, you know, things like that. It was definitely a lot of, a lot of body fat for, for my build anyways. And, um, so, you know, I, I was able to, to drop down, um, to about 180 and, um, I've kind of maintained that, you know, like upper one seventies. Um, I'm actually right now trying to, you know, take it down a little bit more with, with the running. Um, and, but I know diet is probably more important than running and, you know, I'm not super conservative right now when it comes to, <laughs> my diet. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, weight, weight's less in the kitchen for sure. Yeah. Um, health though is definitely enhanced by, you know, not only cardiovascular, but any kind of exercise activity. Right. And I think that more strength training is in my near future because I think that that's part of the thing that we've got to accept as we get older is that you start losing muscle mass. So you've got to maintain your kind of your protein levels and your, you know, and then work out 
with some strength training, even body weight training, right. Is, mm-hmm. is great. So I'm starting to add that back in myself. And I know that, you know, when you go to the gym, you've got a, a regimen around that too, not just cardio. Yeah. Not just cardio. Um, I you know, pretty much once a week, we'll go ahead and do some, some weight training. It's, it's nothing hardcore, but, um, you know, it's, it's actually paying off and, uh, you know, I think it's an important part to go along with, um, with the cardiovascular and to, um, maintain overall muscle health. Right. Well, and you and I talk about a very holistic approach to health too. I mean, we talk about this stuff, diet, exercise, right. But you and I also talk a lot about mental, the mental aspect of health too. Yes. And I know that at least at times, I don't know if you're doing it currently, but I know that meditation has been part of your routine at times and how has that impacted you i mean like do you feel a difference when you when you're in a routine that includes daily meditation versus not yes i absolutely notice a difference and um it's it's almost like noticing the difference when you're running versus not running too um i think you know most people listening um, if they are all 12, if they are runners, um, <laughs> you, you 12 people out there probably know when you're running, you feel, uh, you feel better, uh, mentally and physically. And, um, yeah, no doubt meditation, um, has, has impacted that. I I've gotten into that habit over the last two to three years, but I did have a, lot of meditation experience when I was a lot younger too. I mean, I, I really enjoyed, you know, deliberately sitting in solitude. Um, maybe I wasn't closing my eyes and really letting go. Um, but like I, like I try to do today, but it was definitely a part of, um, my musical training. Um, you know, part of, being an improviser in music, regardless of your genre, for me it was jazz, is being able to let go of thought and just kind of let the creativity and music and ideas flow through you. And pretty much the only way to do that is to be present in the now. And so that was that was an important part to trying to become a better jazz improviser, uh, listening to the other musicians you're playing with, things like that. You always wanted to be present and in the now and not wrapped up about maybe you played the wrong note. And you start learning things like there are no wrong notes, really. Like every every note is beautiful and every every quote-unquote mistake, you can end up using that to your advantage and and making that, that right uh, or making it sound good in a way. Um, so I did come across meditation in my early twenties. Um, I, I had a mentor who played jazz trumpet, um, Scott Wilson. He's currently professor at the university of Florida and, uh, he, he had an amazing impact on my life musically, spiritually as a person. He's just one of these, like, I mean, he just radiates amazing positive energy and, and I can do it attitude. Um, and that could be a whole nother, a whole nother conversation, um, about that and about Scott, but he, he's really one of the mentors that turned me on to, um, 
you know, meditation, um, and using that to your advantage in music. And it's, it's no secret. So many, so many musicians do that. Um, so anyway, fast forward to today, uh, definitely got away from doing any sort of meditation as I got into the food and wine business and started making a career as a restaurant manager and a sommelier. I never really had meditation, um, you know, in any informal meditation anyways. I mean, everyone needs like a little piece of quiet sometimes or a stroll through the park or whatever, but, you know, <laughs> deliberately sitting down, closing your eyes, trying to meditate, let go, um, you know, be in the present moment. Um, the, that kind of practice, you know, that didn't come back into my life till about three years ago or so. And, um, it's, it's very important. Um, and I definitely feel a big difference when I meditate and when I don't, um, I, I had a, for me, a really great achievement this year. Um, I think it was, you know, without looking at my phone here, maybe about 40 days in like a 40 day streak of meditating every single day, 10 minutes a day and 10 minutes you know, it seems like no problem, but to do that every day for me, um, that was a huge, huge achievement to make that part of my, my daily life. Um, and, uh, it was, it was amazing. And I'm trying to keep, keep that going right now. I'm not, I don't necessarily sit down every day to do it, but I'm trying to hit maybe 60 to 75% of a month. If you just look at a 30 day month, trying to hit you know, 20 days out of the 30, something like that. Um, cause it all, it all goes together and that's, that's, what's been, um, coming on strong for me right now in my life is trying to put together the mindfulness, um, increase the, you know, physical well-being um, with not only mindfulness, but also diet and exercise and just putting, putting all of this together and making this a new lifestyle versus a chore or a fad <laughs> right yeah so i i have a couple of thoughts first gretchen's going to highly disagree with your take on running she believes all running is evil um doesn't feel good even when she does it she's i think delusional about it but you know that's what she'll say and then i just have this picture of you know like waiters and waitresses you know wait staff right um servers that maybe they're not into meditation, but they're screaming like when they have that bad customer, they're like Frank Costanza with Serenity Now. Yes. You know, like, right. That's like you got to have some sort of release uh, because sitting in restaurants, I think, is sometimes I just wonder how servers do it, listening to other, you know, surrounding tables at times because people are weird and they they really give servers a tough time all too often. So. Anyway, yeah. that's my two cents on, on that industry. I think generally speaking, that's, that's pretty spot on. And, um, but as a, as a server, um, I, I can say that it's not for everybody and, but it, it is for me. Um, I really, you know, if you just can, you know, not take anything personally, um, and it's kind of like life too, you know, like there's, you know, it should be hopefully for, for you, you know, 90%, 95% good things, but we always tend to focus on the 5%, right. right? Um, on the negative. And, um, you know, I think 
as a server, if you're, if you really enjoy it, which, which I do pretty much because I, you know, really got into food and wine, you kind of get to this whole new level. And I think there's a parallel here with running too. Um, you know, you can, um, run because you're told to, and because you, you know, feel like this is a way to get healthy, um, or you can run, um, and get a little bit deeper into the science behind it, into the mindfulness behind it, into, um, you know, like setting goals and, um, using that as a platform to, you know, kind of springboard into other areas of your life as well. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, for me, what's got me really excited, uh, recent, very recently about running and, and getting, getting into it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. So you and I had been talking a little bit about running and, and doing a 5k and I, I think, you know, I volunteered to, to put together a plan for you and about, I can't remember how many weeks the plan was, but it was a fairly short plan, three days, just three days a week. Um, but it gave structure to what you were doing, right? It, it wasn't the same speed. It wasn't the same length of time each run. So it gave some variety, right? There was easy miles, which are the majority of what you should be doing are, are more easy miles. Um, although I would argue no mile is easy because they all have a purpose. Uh, and then maybe some tempo or threshold type runs, um, and then some speed work in there. And then we ran together, um, at the dairy and dash. Yes. So when that started is, did you right away, like just kind of fall into a pattern where you liked it? Like, how did you find the time? Like what, tell us about that time, like where you started to transition into kind of becoming more of like a on purpose runner, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, as you alluded to in the beginning of the episode, you know, you and I worked together, um, at, uh, at Vin Chicago and there was a lot of, um, you know, inspiration that came from just hearing what you were doing and what you were up to. And I was originally pretty blown away, um, when you were talking about what you're doing in the running world and, you know, ultimately like going to do things like marathons and trail runs and like, like just watching you get into it over the course of a couple of years, I was, you know, at the time going to the gym. I mean, I got a gym membership like five, six years ago, something like that. I knew I wanted to start like working out regularly and, um, you know, staying in shape. And, uh, you know, we, we had our first, our first kid five and a half years ago, first and only, but, um, you know, when, when that happens, you just feel like, Hey, I want to take care of myself so I can be there for my family. And, you know, I want to be able to, you know, throw a baseball around and a football around and not be winded and, you know, stuff like that as he gets older. So that's some of that motivation. But, um, so I, I joined a gym and was trying to run a couple times a week and work out, but, um, you know, it, it wasn't like a regular routine. And anyway, um, you know, watching and hearing about what you were doing, um, it just kind of got the gears turning in my mind where it's like, all right, there's obviously something, you know, here, here's a guy in a full-time job just like I am, but he's taking on 
these things. There must be a way, there must be a reason. And it just kind of got me interested overall in, in running. Um, there, you know, there's a, there's obviously there's a great community out there, um, to be discovered. Um, that was part of the draw and, um, you know, kind of fast forward to this year, 2019, you know, we, uh, you know, started off the year and I had a few big goals, um, that I, that I wrote down in my journal. One of them was, you know, my wife and I, and our son, we needed to buy and sell a home. Um, we were outgrowing our, our home really, really fast. And so that kind of was a priority, but a second goal that I wrote down was what might look like a simple goal now, which was to run a 5k race, like not run 5k, but to sign up for one of these races and go do it. I thought that would kind of be a cool thing to do. It would maybe get me out of my comfort zone. It would put a little bit of pressure that, all right, I paid money. I'm signed up for something. It's kind of official. I don't want to go out there and, you know, you know, not be able to finish running a measly little 5k race that, you know, every, you know, you just so many people do all the time, but it's 5k is no joke. So it's definitely no joke. And, um, so, one race that popped up that I knew you had run was the Darien Dash, and that's kind of in our neighborhood. It, it's not it's not far away, so and it's in the spring. I think it was in May, late May. Um, so I, whenever they were able to, you know, accept signups for that, sometime around February, I you know went ahead and registered and committed. So I knew that regardless of what was going on with trying to buy and sell a home, I had this second goal that I wrote down just to run a five k um, in place, ready to go. And, uh, we didn't do like you and I anyway, didn't do any training for the Darien dash. Um, I was going through, uh, a lot, um, outside of work with buying and selling the home, which we, we were able to do. And like, that was super scary when it all started. Somehow we, you know, were able to do it. Um, and, once that was all settled, we had moved into our new place in early April. So I felt like I had about a month to try to run regularly in prep for the 5K at the Darien Dash. Um, at the time, all of my running at the gym literally was no more than two and a half miles. Um, and that's running in quotation marks. Like maybe I would walk a quarter mile to warm up run for a mile, mile and a half, and then walk a quarter mile to cool down. And, you know, I was running at whatever pace I felt. It was just one steady pace, you know, and whatever pace I felt that maybe I could do this 5K in. And I did that maybe two to three times a week at the most leading up to the Darien Dash. And that's the extent of my training for that race. But um, we showed up. Um, It was a bit of a cool and rainy morning I remember and uh which you know was a little bit sticky out too maybe a yeah little, it, was, it was yeah a little humid but overall like some pretty good conditions you know it wasn't like blazing hot yet or anything since we're you know in Chicago in May here um and uh we we ran the race together thank you for for doing that with me it was really cool and I remember 
just setting a goal for myself of 30, 35 minutes, you know, which to me would be some, you know, an accomplishment, um, and something that would take some effort to achieve. And, you know, probably in the last mile or so is a little bit behind pace. And, uh, Pete, you had your, your Garmin going and you're like, all right, if you want to hit this goal, just keep up with me or keep me in your, your sight. I'm going to run, run the pace that you need to be at in order to, to break the 35 minutes. And, uh, you went ahead of me a little bit and I just kind of at the time dug deep and caught back up to you. And, uh, we crossed, we crossed that finish line, um, in, you know, what it was like 34 and 30 seconds or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And so accomplished the goal of, of sub 35 for my first 5k, but ultimately just accomplished the goal of, of running a 5k. And after that, it just kind of turned on for me. I just wanted to do it again and I wanted to be better um, the next time I did it. And I don't exactly remember our conversations or how any of this, you know, how it led to you putting a plan together. But I think I just said, all right, Pete, I want to train and do another 5k and um, can you help me out? And then I think you ended up putting this plan together. Um, I think it was kind of a two part, ended up being a two part plan, maybe not by design, but it was about four weeks. Um, and then we threw on like another three weeks or something before the next 5k that we ran together in the fall, um, just recently and going to that run plan that you put together, it completely broke down all of the walls that I had prior to Darian Dash with going to train and going to run just to run. Because now I was looking at, you know, day one. All right, I'm running two miles. The first mile is going to be at this tempo. Like you were saying, the second mile might be at this other tempo or a half mile with a mile in the middle. And, you know, um, this day three miles and then this day two miles with like you what you were saying a, a slower uh easy tempo some speed work um it it kept my mind engaged on what i was doing on that particular run versus just looking at the watch and like all right i only have 10 more minutes to go i gotta you know grind through this it it, it the time all of a sudden it flew by and um you know, after probably about in week two, I was already noticing a difference in my endurance um, and knew that this was working. And that was really cool to see. Um, one of the things that blew my mind getting into running and getting into this plan was when you said the easy miles are, you know, that's the miles where you're kind of in this sweet spot to enhance your endurance and, uh, get better ultimately at running. And it seemed so counterintuitive. And I think I told you also, you've got to slow down. Yeah. Right? I mean, and that's a big people. It's counterintuitive to say, look, you've got to go slower to, in order to eventually go faster. Yeah. So getting ready for the Darien dash, I was trying to pick up my tempo paces because you just, I had the mindset of the harder you work in your training, the easier it will be when you go to the race um, without really understanding any of the science behind 
behind it, behind running. And, um, it was really cool after about a week of, you know, I was, I was probably running prior to the Darien dash about a 10 minute, 10 and a half minute somewhere in there pace and then having to slow that down to about 13 minutes I mean I felt like I wasn't even putting in any work I felt like this can't be right but you know follow the plan trust in the process and it was you know again it was like week two and I was like wow I'm actually running two miles sometimes three miles and when I'm finished I'm completely recovered I'm not struggling through any of that, that training. Um, granted this was pretty easy training at the time. Um, it got a little bit more difficult in, you know, the, the weeks leading up to the next 5k, um, which was awesome. But, uh, anyway, it just, it's all been really interesting over this very short period of what, five, five months, six months of sort of getting into it. Um, and, uh, you know, just, I'm excited to keep it going at this point. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, and, and I think that it, the, the next race that we did, I pushed Michaela. Um, I gave that race recap. So you did the same Morton Arboretum fall color 5k. Um, and going into that race, I think, you know, I, I don't know where your, where your head was at and you can, you could tell me, but I, I think I, I I'm pretty sure I said to you that I think you could sub 30 that race. Yeah, you, you did. Um, you know, I would say the week leading into that race, I didn't really give a whole lot of thought as to, uh, you know, doing a goal like sub 30. Um, I just wanted to run a good race. Um, and I put in at that point, maybe seven or eight weeks of training of a, of a very, structured plan that you put in place for me and ultimately you know like where I was in my mindset is I was before even running the race I was so proud of all of the work that I put in and I did not miss one day of that plan I felt that I had some accountability to myself and to you you know some people you know you need that trainer or that person to be accountable for, whether it's like, you know, if you can afford a nutritionist to be by your side, like you just might, like I definitely perform better that way than if it's just up to me to eat healthy or if it's just up to me to run and train and go to the gym and stuff like that. But having these plans and having really a coach, I felt that I had, some accountability towards both of us. And I also wanted to, you know, like give you the sense of accomplishment that you were able to help me attain, attain my goals of becoming a better runner. Yeah. I mean, that's a big piece of it. I mean, and it's what doing that with you and the, and you know, a few others on a quieter side is kind of what led to me getting certified and like finishing the certification. I had been studying for it, but, um, led to doing that piece of it. It was kind of the over the hump part, you know, Andy and, and John and the other coaches that I know, like definitely 
or inspirational in that too. But I think one of the things that you just said is basically you learned to enjoy the process. Like the process itself was what was important to you. The race was bonus time, right? It wasn't, that just happened to be what was on the plan, right? It was a race. That's right. But it was always about the process, which is such a key. If you want to be a runner or anything really in life, right? It's about the process. It's not about the end result. And when you enjoy the process, it's amazing what that end result can end up being, right? Because it was a much different way for you to train, a much different structure. And at no time, really, did you run anywhere near what the end result could be, right? That's right. And, you know, leading up to the race, the, the week of the race, again, my mindset was just I was so proud of all the work and mileage um, that I put in to the plan and the training over the previous, um, you know, seven or eight weeks. But I also completely felt like a tiger in a cage. Like I, I was forcing myself to stay within those paces, trust the process. But when we were in touch about a week prior to the race and, you know, you said based on one of my runs that I completed and how I, I was like, I feel pretty good. It it wasn't strenuous, things like that. You're like, you know, that's about where I, you know, where you were at Pete, when you sub 30 to 5k and you said, I think you're probably in a position where you can go for that. And, you know, I, I, I basically just tried to draw up a plan of what that would look like running this, this 5k sub 30, how that would be mile by mile pace wise, um, without knowing the course, the conditions, things like that. And once I kind of figured out how I would go for it, I felt that it was going to be something that I could possibly attain, um, that it wasn't far fetched to try to, to try to run this thing sub 30. So race day, my mindset, I was just so pumped. I was jacked. I mean, I had just put in all of this work and all of this training that I've never done in my life, honestly, like, like training to run, like I've did over these past two or three months. And I was just so excited to unleash all of that and see what the results would be and what, what I was capable of. So, uh, yeah, Morton Arboretum 5k, the fall color 5k, um, never ran it before. Um, didn't know the course either. Didn't go scope it out or anything. So it's, uh, it's a rather hilly course, but the, for us, for us, the, <laughs> I, I just did hilly. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the back end had a lot of downhill Yeah, and for the most part, the training that I was doing was very little elevation. It was around my neighborhood, around the park that I live near a little bit on treadmill, um, in the gym, um, depending on the weather or if I was, you know, lifting weights that day, I would just hop on the treadmill just because it was right there. But, um, the, the course had a, had a lot of downhill, um, some uphill also, but the downhill, I mean, I have no idea what my pace was, but it had to have been during some of those stretches around eight, maybe I'm even sure. sub eight. Um, again, I'm tall. I was just like taking super long strides, um, running downhill and, um, you know, long story short, I, I completed the race in under 30 minutes. 
Um, I was definitely feeling it right away. I, you know, I did not re- recover all that easy. I, you know, felt it in my legs, uh, mostly, um, not, not so much like endurance wise, you know, wheezing, any of that, that, that wasn't there. I felt pretty comfortable with that. It was more the physical side, um, in, in my legs of trying to pump through that last like half mile or so and hit, hit that goal. I knew I was on pace and I was right there, but, um, you know, if I didn't keep it up, I would not have hit it. So I just kept pushing and, um, was, was able to run, you know, from 35 minutes in May to sub 30, um, here in early October. And, uh, it's just a, an awesome personal accomplishment. And I never expected this year to bring all of this running excitement into my life. I, I just wanted to do a 5k and check the box that I did that and maybe do another one or yeah. see, see what would happen. But, um, it's, uh, it's naturally, um, become a great fit for me and where I'm at in my life right now. And I love it. Yeah. I mean, it was awesome to, to watch, you know, everything that you did, um, over those few months. And I mean, that was running three days a week. So it just shows consistent and you did the runs though. Consistency pays off. So if you can run three days a week, you can run three days a week and accomplish, you know, something, um, some big goals. And I think the other piece of that too, I think it makes a big difference when you've got somebody telling you, you know, you can do this, you can sub 30. I think that makes a difference, right? Versus people are like, I don't know. You know, you're not really running that much. You know, you haven't really run that long. I think that we have way too much of that just overall in society. Mm-hmm. And especially in the running community, it can get that way if you're not careful. Yeah. Which is why I'm careful on the groups that I join and the people that I talk to and, and listen to. And, um, you know, it was incredible. I, I said I, I was telling Andy, you know, I, I was as excited, maybe even more excited to watch you get that sub 30 than when I did it myself, you know, like it's just, it's different and it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. All right. So to wrap up, what's next? What are you, what are you looking at? What are you eyeing? Well, uh, you know, I took October off. Um, it, it ended up, you know, kind of working out. There was, uh, a lot going on, uh, in my personal life at the time. So it was a good time to sort of take a break from running and, um, got back into it, uh, this month. And right now, since I did the sub 30 on the 5k, which was pretty awesome, I don't feel the need today to try to train for another 5k to PR you know, and do sub 28 or whatever the next speed record might be. Um, what I am getting kind of excited about now is distance because I've, I've never ran longer than maybe whatever, whatever the longest distance was on that training plan. I think it was four and a half miles one, one day. And that's the longest I've ever run in my life. So, and now I'm feeling that I, if I put the right kind of training in for distance that I could probably do some 
you know, I mean, a 10 K sure, but you know, maybe a, a half marathon right now is, is where, where my, my eye is set. And, um, you know, I'm not registered for one, but, um, you know, you had run one down in Champaign-Urbana in the spring and you mentioned that was a, a good one to do. And, um, that's probably far enough along where I could train for that. And, um, you know, I haven't been down there in a while. It'd be a great excuse to go down there and play around and go, go to some of the, the great restaurants and see some old friends. So I'm thinking about doing that half marathon. Um, what's it called? I uh, the, it's like the Christie clinic, Illinois right. marathon, I think. Um, so put on by Christie clinic. But. I mean, I, I, you know, I've never ever considered running a marathon. I kind of wrote this off. Like, I'm just not going to be a marathon runner. I'm not a runner, et cetera, et cetera. But now all of a sudden, just this year, I'm getting into it. And I don't have a goal to necessarily run a marathon at this time. But I think striving to do a half marathon would be a pretty incredible accomplishment. And it would be a great way to keep this lifestyle going. Um, as well, without a goal down the road, I feel like I might fall off the rails a little bit, maybe not have it be as important to me as it was when I had the goal to run a better 5k and follow your training plan and stuff like that. So, um, and so that's, that's going to be the next step is, is to see if we can knock out a, a half marathon in the spring. And, um, you know, I've got a, a fresh, plan that you laid out for me that I started, um, last week was week one. Um, and I'm into week two now, uh, I'm still sticking with three days a week right now, but I'm thinking that after these four weeks that I can probably up that to, to four days a week and, um, make, make that the next goal and just in, again, enjoy the process and keep learning and see where it takes me. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think that what's fun about the half marathon distance, it's my favorite distance. Um, I think it combines that speed and strength in a way that's really cool and fun. Um, it's difficult, but you know, you can, um, you know, it's, it's just long enough, right? And then you can recover in a fairly quick amount of time. And also you can hit a 10 K in your training on the way there, you know, to get a kind of a gauge of where you're at. You can, do a 10k race within that training cycle. Although 10k's are becoming harder to find around us. A lot of 5k's, which is I think everywhere, but the 10k's have kind of waned a little bit. A lot more half marathons have popped up. So there's a lot of them even locally, but I really like that Christie Clinic one um mm-hmm. down in Champaign-Urbana and it's like you said it's fun to it's a, it's a fun area. It's a fun campus and you know, you go to Tim Pony's for you know, pre pre race meal. <laughs> so that doesn't hurt. Fantastic. You know? Best, uh, best Italian beef I've ever had. There you go. The campus town pizzas. I mean, all, all the, all the great healthy food that a <laughs> right? runner should be, uh, <laughs> should be eating and, uh, some great wine too. I mean, that's, that's the whole, uh, you know, the whole idea here is to try to combine these two things in a way that works right. and not completely give up my love affair with wine and food. Um, I'm still vino Mike. I want to be vino Mike for a long time. And, uh, you know, just kind of finding, finding that balance between enjoying that lifestyle, um, while not going completely overboard 
and and enjoying running and again not going completely overboard with the running right you know as well and just kind of keeping an eye on my my own limitations and um you know not being afraid to say hey the you know this work is a little bit too much i'm you know it's fatiguing um i'm you know maybe having a pain here or there i mean you know I mean, I'm, I'm 42, you know, this isn't, I'm not 22 anymore. So, you know, I'm trying to, uh, in, in, incorporate more, uh, training and running and weightlifting while also trying to not get hurt doing it basically. Um, and, and just to, to have that nice, that nice balance. Yeah. I mean, you've always got to listen to your body. I mean, if you've got to be able to differentiate between an ache and pain versus, you know, Hey, an injury is coming, um, and then finding ways to do specific movements to strengthen areas that might be weak, you know, on you. So for me, it's my, it's my hips, which then end up leading to a bad back. So I, if, when I neglect my hip exercises, shout out to hips of death, um, I'm in big trouble and I neglected them a little bit lately and my back was, was hurting pretty good. Um, that might also been the bed that we were staying in, uh, Omaha. But, um, you know, getting just right back two days of hips of death and already I can feel a a pretty big difference. So, well, you've said it a couple of times, but let's formally, if people want to connect with you on social media, if they, you know, where should they go to connect with you? Yeah. Well, you can, you can find me most active right now on Instagram. Um, I'm currently doing the 30 day gratitude challenge, which has been pretty cool. And, um, and uh, also, you know, forcing me to think about a lot of different things and, and, and add that into my daily meditation as well. Like gratitude is kind of where it all starts, um, you know, in, for me anyways, um, in terms of like leading a, a positive life. But uh, so, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Vino Mike. And that is also my handle on Twitter. And, um, vinomike.com is a little bit dusty, but it works. And, uh, we'll start actually polishing that up a little bit. I don't know if I'll have a running column in there. Maybe one day add a little, you know, I try to, you know, just write about wine. Um, but, uh, maybe I'll have a little, a little running, um, and, and health and wellness area in there. Um, I, I know there was an article floating around recently about, uh, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to read it yet, but it was, it was something like, so you drink for a living and it, it's kind of about being in the alcohol beverage industry, whether it's spirits, wine, restaurant, retail, wholesale, whatever you're doing, you're, you're basically exposed to alcohol and, and tasting and probably imbibing a little, a little too much. And, uh, you know, kind of how, how to, um, navigate your life while that, that's your profession. So, um, that, that could be something interesting to, um, explore down the road, um, is finding this balance between those types of activities and healthier types of activities. Yeah. For whatever, especially the trail running community, but I think the running community in general is often connected to beer versus wine. Right. So it's been, whenever I'm around, you know, it's a lot of beer and I'm not that into beer. You know, I can appreciate it, but I don't really. Drink I will that say much of it. that the beer that we had. Did you have a beer at the Morton 
yes. 5K with me. Yeah. We, we had a beer together. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. And whatever it was, like 9.30 in the morning, it just did. It felt, <laughs> it, it didn't feel like any time. Right. It just it, felt like, it felt like beer time is right. what it felt like. So that, that I could see why the running community is, is into beer. And um, is it true that people will drink beer during? Oh, yeah. Run, like running a marathon? Oh, yeah. I couldn't oh, imagine. During, so Camille Heron um, holds like the record for many records, but recently set a 24-hour world record. Um, she ran like 167 miles in 24 hours. Okay, so I and, am on RunKeeper, and since I started on RunKeeper in May... I'm at 169 <laughs> miles since May. And this person did. Yeah. Well, Camille's, she's awesome. I'll have to show you her stuff. She's, cool. she's great. But she's been known to eat, uh, to have beer and like a burrito, you know, like during these runs, during these epic runs. And All right. Now, sometimes now she, I'm even more inspired yeah. to, to get into this. Yeah. She's a big, good, big proponent of that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, and there's a huge component you know, contingent of sober runners too, which is super inspiring. Right. So, I mean, you kind of have the gamut and everybody's still there encouraging each other together. Right. And so it's been, it's pretty cool. So, um, but awesome. And I highly recommend following Mike on Instagram. Uh, he does a great job and with it. And if you need wine tips, I definitely go to him versus me. So <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, you know, I've learned a lot in the, uh, the wine realm from Pete here as well. Um, so, but, uh, it's, it's a great common, you know, denominator to have, um, as we start, you know, taking our relationship down these other paths as well. Um, it's been really cool to, to have that focused around, around the Vino and Pete's got a ton of experience and, uh, it's, uh, I've learned a lot. Yeah, we always have fun. So, all right. Well, we've we've gone well over an hour here. So we're gonna wrap it up, and it'll be one of our longer episodes. So it'll be fun to uh, to see how it's uh, everybody reaches out. I'm sure, and you get all these new twelve Instagram followers. So that's be that great. sounds great. If you're if you're still listening after all of this time, I mean, just I have so much gratitude, and I'm so thankful. I I don't know how you're doing it. Um, but, uh, it means, it means the world. So, and, and thank you for, uh, having me on FMC, Pete. It's a, it's a dream come true. Well, thanks for, thanks for being here and dream come true. That's awesome. <laughs> and if you are still listening, you know, just go ahead and post, um, uh, I don't know, uh, we can go with barrel monkey. Uh, if, uh, you made it all the way to the end of this perfect, one. So. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Thanks Mike. All right. Thank you. Well, I had a lot of fun. I hope you guys did too, listening to Mike's story. Um, he definitely gave a lot of really good details and uh, it was a lot of fun. If you want to learn more about him, like I said, you could check him out um, on Instagram at Vino Mike. That's a great way to, to stay connected with him, but also listen and subscribe to That Wine Podcast beginning December 4th. Hopefully it makes it to all the different platforms by then. We're still waiting on a couple to to get there including the big one, Apple Podcasts, but I'm sure it'll it'll pop up there any day now. So that'll do it. Thank you for listening to episode 88 of the Fat Man Chronicles. The music is You Got Me Wrong by Safar. We want to thank our patrons, Amy, James, Christine, Linda, Rob, Julie. Without you, this would be much more difficult. We really appreciate it. On social media, we're at Fat Men Stories on Instagram and Twitter. And on Facebook, you can find us facebook.com slash fatmanstories. 
Check out the website, fatmanchronicles.com, and there you can see the weekly blog that I continue to put out. Um, and you can, you know, click through if you want to shop some swag on Zazzle. We're still looking to, to make a change on that. But for now, we're still on that platform. So with that, all I could say is get out there and be better today. Really?